The Ghostman Radio Show on AlbionRadio.com Easeville Area Man once had a chilling close to camber with a UFO. Someone reported 40 years ago in, who worked in Wayne Goldra for 40 years. He sold World, world, world Book Elkabedias uh, on the side. Squid, Superling hardback versions of knowledge hungry residents in Tri State. But it was pinch his name in Google today. None of that would come up. Instead, it would come in famous. The same he saw was only 10 years old. According to an old Colonial Press column by Lynn Wills, that been pirated and shot the weirdest corners of the internet, Maisie grew up in a tiny town of Melt Erie, Illinois, about 60 miles west of Oakland City. And this is... And one morning in June 1923, he led the family horses into the pasture. As I was closing the gate, I looked back down the field and there was an object and lights all around it. The machine was metallic and stood on three legs. The top was dome and holes in it. The best way I described the top was it looked like melted glass. When he got five, 50 feet of the thing, he realised he wasn't alone. Men milled around inside the ship, taking orders from a seated fellow. They called Commander. I don't know what was going on to the end. Then one of the crew members told the commander that repairs had been made. With that, the ship shot off the ground and zapped across the sky, disappearing forever. The counter didn't last more than five minutes, but he was haunted for it, for his left and right life. Project Blue Book reports of the field of people begging to remain anonymous. Everyone will think I'm crazy, they say. It makes sense, admittedly, when you've seen something supernatural makes an instant target for derision. Isn't long gone and forgotten, gotten easier since Project Boat closed. Last year, an Ensville woman reported a UFO sighting to Eyewitness News, warned with a story which reporters slapped on a tinfoil hat and waved around a toy spaceship. It probably even more to move back in 1923, so naturally, Maisie's parents begged her not to talk about his experience. Keep the metallic strip and commander to yourself, they said. He did it the 1900s. Then he shared a story of his son, former colonel in the Air Force. He probably expected to be humoured and dismissed, but the story didn't surprise his son at all. He said it in the Air Force was full of pictures of UFOs. He accepted my story's truth. In my mind and my heart it existed. I saw it with my own two eyes. Wells wrote a column about the sighting. Arthur Maisie died in 2004, aged 2091. So many people think Maisie was crazy or liar. Some poor Navy guy convinced himself that the ludicrous story was real. The Murray Island incident, the real men in black. The official line is the Murray Island incident M-A-Y-R-Y, took place somewhere on June 21st, 1947. The incident itself reported to Frank, Fred, sorry, Fred Crisman via Howard Darley, a patrolman claimed of fully debris to the sky. They met, later, curiously met Fred and men in black. He both claimed to have been on 
seen an undervalued fudge objects in the sky over Maryland Island. He claimed to harbour policemen, patrolmen, who was out on a workboat, and claimed to have seen the six donut-shaped objects lancing across the sky. According to the man, one of the donuts dropped on the object on the sky and resembled some form of white metal on the boat. Apparently this hit another person and broke their arm. A dog was killed too horribly. The two was dropped from the donut was actually slag and came from his local smelter. He claimed that he was approached by a man in black who told him not to tell anyone about the incident. The claim fits the old trope about government agents silencing people. The story grew so much it featured in the Grey Book Grey Barker book they knew too much about flying saucers. It was a major book that was instrumental in shaping what many of us know now about the burning black today. Another version of events took place three days before Kenneth Arnold reported his observation to saucer-shaped objects travelling. According to the detail of the day, these donut-shaped machines in the sky, about 100 feet in diameter, had glistened in the sky of pristine metal and circled one of their friends, the Six, which was in some form of trouble. Eventually, the Six vessel that had interrupted the metal discharge had dropped down. Substance seemingly was a mix between aluminium and cold lava. A person who was injured, not a worker, was initially actually Dali's son. It was a family dog that died. After one of the other disc-shaped objects kick-started the broken one, they rose in the sky at pace and vanished. Dali informed Fred Crisman, a co-worker of the incident, who in turn got in touch with Ray Palmer, who was editor of the Ziff Diff Davis publications. He's interested and invested $200 in a research team by Kenneth Arnold. However, Arnold bragged about the investment and that I owe Daily Statesman. The editor sent a telegram to the US Air Force to check it out. On August 1st, Frank Brown and William Davison led an investigation team to check out the incident. Tragically, both men died when a B 52 25 they had taken photographic evidence on crashed. August 23rd saw an Another thing they said in the investigation, Kenneth Arnold ran close to death himself. His airplane was sabotaged and he escaped the crash with good luck. Then according to Barry Hubbardner from the UFOEvidence.org, some interesting events took place. The Tobacco Times editor, Paul Lawrence, mysteriously died. His cause of death never made clear. Not long after the United Press sting at Telecom, Ted Mullen died as well. He was followed by a firing of Ray Palmer, who increased the circulation of major stories by 50,000. The term Macoma times had been out for business entirely. Dahl approached, mailed a box of fragments of, to the material that came from the object and mailed it to Palmer. It's a car box. This is stolen. Prior to the theft, Palmer had it analysed. It was neither said nor rock or any natural form. After reading the great sunrise of this over at UFOE, he decided to take a look at it. Well, according to his own son and daughter, he might not be the best witness on the planet, but one, the only verification of anything about the story, or even the date, comes to two people, Dahl and Grisman. Haunted places in South Australia. The Adelaide Arcade is, after all, 
is the most one of the most iconic places on that list. This list. After all, the shopping mall was graced in the online city centre since 1885. Building is the only shopping arcade in Australia. Although this arcade is beautiful and a popular shopping destination, through the shopping arcade seems a line likely destination for death. The building was managed to see a few. In 1887, the arcade's caretaker fell in the building generator and died. Then in 1902, a three-year-old named Sydney died of coal gas poisoning from in the arcade. Finally, in 1904, Florence Holton was shot in front of the arcade through those who dragged in inside the building and received help. She soon passed away from the injuries. It's each of these unfortunate people is rumoured to halt this premier shopping destination. No National Railway Museum. Many yeah, as if it's most un- normal per- paranormal activity. Boasts over a hundred exhibits, trains, locomotives, locomotive, locomotives, and objects that once jogged. Australian railways. One tell, one of the stories says of that of a young man briefly crashed and crashed to death on some ties to Australia. First ever terrorist attack. Some of the paranormal reports that come out of the museum include sightings of shadowy figures playing on platforms, other being overwhelmed by energy in the museums, having to leave shortly after entering. While others may, may other continue to give sounds of footsteps, taps, whistles from a time that long since passed. Old Tallam Town created the perfect storm of paranormal activity. Consists of over a hundred buildings. Each of them had a hundred over a hundred years old. Each of the buildings relocated from a varied variety of locations all Australia to create the type of artificial ghost town. So much, so much history from all the crowned in one central location. One old town is said to be hotbed for ghosts. One of the most haunted areas in town is Old Worsley Church. Many people claim to have counted both a child and a far darker entity from within this stunning building. Others areas of interest, the shopping and barium, made up three separate buildings joined together and filled with thousands of items from the past. Said to be one of the more active areas of the old Italian town. Many visitors claim to serve sight and hear unexplainable. Unexplainable. Sorry. Kapia Cemetery. St. John's Cemetery in Kapadia is, is a small rural commonly considered very haunted. Therefore, this sense one contains ghosts or two. Bet Cemetery dates back to 1861. Sense around some pretty insidious legends. These legends remain unstained and disputed by history. While the facts of stories of rapists, dark priests, and poor Ruby have been historically fact, not meanwhile historically factual. Many brave visitors have claimed to see, claimed a slight apparition starting in amongst the tombstones late at night. Others have claimed to hear disembodied footsteps, even the cries of babies. But no one is around. Old Adelaide Jail. Disease and murder, suicide, all work to claim their lives a form of resonance. Such emotions, strange emotions, etch strange things. 
Since the jail's closure, they've been claimed to be encounter paranormal while walking through the cells, halls and hanging areas of the old Adelaide jail. Some claim to be physically attacked by unseen encounter and apparitions of shadow people, as well as hear strange and unexplainable noises. They also be called by former inmates who lost their lives within the jail. Others claim to encounter as prison guard, continuing to mark, mark, make their rounds. Zedford for the criminally insane. Former asylum was built in 1885. It was dubbed too dangerous and unstable for life and typical correction of felicity. After being closed for years, the building has eventually opened up to the public and once since began to claim and counter the paranormal. Not only people felt physical presence on scene, they also heard for inmates. From the paths, unexplainable whispers, screams and footsteps also reported there. Some claimed slight shadow people lurking in the dark corners, and some have seen full-bodied apparitions. In the book by Arthur Mears, a 1986 book, Ghostly Register, there is a woman known as Karen moved to the three-story area, Victorian era, House in late nineteen eighty three, seeing that all was was to be the house of dreams. After a month, it was more than some odd things began happening. She'd often go down the basement to find it was flooded, and sheen of water covering the place. We noticed some reason the pipes seemed to be fine, though no sign of where the water was coming from. But at first, she did, she figured out there must be a leak somewhere, and thought nothing more of it. But this would prove to be wrong. Other strange phenomena began to crop up in the house, believing with a feeling of ridiculous dread to descend upon her as she was at the second and third floors of the house. Speakable feeling of sifting fear graduated to an unshakable sense of actual presence in the room with her at night, in which she said, I had a feeling of her presence at night, of being almost like an animal, as though the clouds had wanted to bite me. Such is the potency of this had already the house bedrooms, were well, on the second and third floors, who refused to sleep there, so it's sleeping on the relatively bearable first floor. She put this down to nerves or imagination. She damned up gaining a roommate to live in at the house. A new person was up in the room in the third floor. Not even one week passed before the roommate was complaining of sense of something menacing the room of her at night, so strong she was able to sleep with it lurking in the darkness as well as in her bed, always seemed to be moved against the wall in the morning, no matter how many times she moved it back to its position. She told Karen of this, who told her the roommate of her own experiences, it seemed there was definitely something weird going on. All the two women began experiencing increasing strange phenomenon, such as belongings being moved to various places in the house of exaggeration. Lights and other electronics turning on and off by themselves. The terrified occupants apparently reached out to a psychic who came to look, take a look around. Uh, came to a very bizarre conclusion. According to the psychic, phenomenon they were experiencing was not always a result of ghosts, but rather bizarrely due to a physical phys- psychic attack of troll that lived in an underground spring that passed right under the house. It was this spring that was causing the flooding in the basement. A troll had apparently made it been trapped 
Ever since the house had been built there, it apparently supposed he chosen to direct his psychic energy at the new occupants of the house that was causing all the strangeness. They arranged a ritual, arranged a ritual in order to cleanse the house of the supernatural force and psychic. We say this, sometimes we think of ghosts. Human beings have died instead. This might be nostrous rays. Energy, earth energies and all blocked. I felt this troll was stuck there. He did a ritual releasing of him. What came to me was sent to him in another plane where his energies could be transformed with more positive, fruitful resistance. Apparently ritual the t- troll talked to Karen and asked if he could stay, but she told him no. After which he went away for good and there was no further incidents. What? And then there's another story that comes from the year 2000 in West London. I opened my door. I saw myself sleeping on my Japanese-style futon bed. I could see myself sleep as I could see myself sleeping. And then to my shock and horror, there's an ugly, frightening troll-like thing sitting on my feet. This thing was squatting on a dark, brownish, blurry body and very big claw-like feet. Big ears and big red bulging eyes, the size of snooker balls, like pupils. Its arms were a bit thin but muscular, with very sharp long nails. It was just looking straight on and didn't seem to notice me. It freaked me so much that I lunged to attack the creature with Samuel's sword and used how hung on my wall. Shouting at it before the sword touched it, I suddenly awoke, shouting and sweating heavily. I remember thinking, whatever that thing was, it was no good, and it left me shook and frightened. The night I slept on the couch downstairs with the TV on. I didn't know it, how vivid and real this dream was. It was a cold copy of everything that happened from the time I woke up to the time I entered my room. She got went on explain that she, as a child, occasionally came to house by the smallest troll or gnome-like creatures and would vanish into thin air. I suspect that the creature had drawn for her because she and the young child, roughly, same just she had been terrifying incidents happened to her. She also claims that she once she took a photograph, but also only to find a thick, wavy smoke like cloud of which leads her to believe this is some sort of demon that is drawn to her child. Another one from two thousand eight, Campbell County, East Tennessee. I came zooming round in a curve in a road, immediately had to swerve my car, the voice hitting it. Sitting in the side of the road, I slowed down and got a good look on the back side of it. It's sitting with its back to the road. It's laid stretched out in someone's driveway. But actually in the road, a bad place to be longer. Lounging to flying curve like that. I looked at it, my daughter in front passenger seat, I looked at it. It was on the side of the car, so she could see it better. It was obviously terrified her. But on what I saw at first I assumed it was a Halloween decoration, some moron put in the road. It looked like a stuffed dummy or scarecrow type thing. I was wearing all black and a black hat and shabby looking black coat. I even saw a long black hair, oddly shiny. I remember that clearly, really straight down the point of its back. The position was odd. It was kind of slumped out and back of its coat looked lumpy, like stuffed with leaves, which is one of the reasons I assumed it was a dummy. It was only slowly passing after I came to the most enormous complete stop to look at it. 
beginning to be indignant and somewhat fault. It was a joke. Pull a road, possibly causing accident. But as I passed it, still staring at it, turned and looked at me over his shoulder. All I remember seeing for a split second before Kerkas got a heck away was the glittering black eyes and black wrinkled sunken face. Reminded me of rotten apple for some reason. Spiritual alphabet soup of death and dying. Little bits is coming, going home now. I was dreaming one morning when I heard the familiar voice of a woman waving goodbye to me. She looked like my Aunt Betty, for years younger than my first memories of her. I'd been sick for a long time. I hadn't thought about it for months. I called my mother and found out her sister died that night. I never heard her call. Her call. She never heard her call, basically. I said it was a pet nickname only used by Uncle Walt. Was a sensation dream can be considered a form of after-death communication, ADC, one of four categories of spiritual transformative experiences, STEs, including the spiritual alphabet soup of death and dying. I was recently written previously about four psycho-spiritual after-effects and near-death experiences. And this is by Lurk Burke, MDCAPHB, a solid radialist, Certified energy health practitioner, author, let magic happen, ventures to healing with her sadistic radiologist, dream researcher. I've written previously about four psychospiritual aspects of near death NEDs, ACC, near death awareness, and shared death experiences. Also, can significant impact on worldview, how life and death intersect. ADC is the most commonly spiritual acronyms, according current twenty to forty percent of the population. Fair popularized by Gullenham's G U G G E N H E I M S in the book nineteen seventy seven Hello from Heaven, a new field research after death communication confirms that life and love are eternal, based on their research of some three three the heart, 3,300 first-hand accounts. Four categories of ADC were described in the journal. One, visions and dreams. Two, lost things found, symbolic messages, and four, sightings. An extensive search has been done by international Association on near-death studies of NDEs as relatively little science literature of ADCs. Some distinct giants that once roamed in North America. North American horses. Eastern se- European settlers introduced horses when they found the new world. But they- did you know ancient horses lived in North America from about 50 million years to 11,000 years ago when they were extinct at the end of the Ice Age? One of the most great particularities of this distinction they died out in North America, yet managed to survive in Eurasia and Africa. Glay O'Dong, Clopeton, J Y L Y P T O D O N, looks like a supersized version of Zedos' relative, the armadillo. It protected itself as a shell made of bony plates. They are a one ton creature, largely travelled to North America from South America by the Ipmus of Panama. A lion bridge that connects two Americas. 
After we reached in North America about two million years ago, prospered in its, what is now the coastal Texas of Florida. It had been extinct for 10,000 years. Macedons, Macedons, Mapamot, entered North America about 15 million years ago. 15 million years ago, travelling over the Barrow Strait land bridge, long before the relative of the mammoth, according to the Yukon Barrow Interpret Centre in Canada. A primitive, more primitive than the mammoth cousins, for instance, Mapamots have less conspex teeth. M-A-S-T-O-D-O-N-S Cone-shaped cusp on their monocle molars and help their crunch on the leaves, twigs and branches delicious, delicious and conifer trees. They also ate wetland plants that weren't full of abrasive material found in terrestrial plants. Macedons were a bit shorter than mammoths. Both species reached heights between 7 and 14 feet or 2 and 4 metres. Havamacedons had long coloured tusks with that measures six up to sixteen feet. Not mammoths in contrast, but it's collier tusks. Mammoths mammoths, mathemavias, travelled to North America about one point seven million to two one two million point million years ago. Although there are some abnormal differences between mammoths and macedons, they're members of the Pobasidina family. Mammoths have hunt, fatty humps on their backs that likely provided them with nutrients and warmth during icy periods. Mammoths also had a flat, ridge molars, a structure that helped them slice through various fibrous vegetation, unlike the cussed teeth of the Macedon. Mammoths were more closely related to modern elephants, especially the Asian elephant. Short-faced bears, despite its name, it's an enormous bear. Is it actually have a short face? In comparison to long arms and long legs, he's compared to grizzly bears and stilts. Limbs were as long as one third long than the mo- those of a modern grizzly. It has very long forearms and high legs, which meant likely helped it run at high speeds. Modern bears are capable of short bursts of speed. They are not runners. One, how does short bears short limb, long limbs? Still perplexed scientists, one an idea that short-faced bears run down their prey like cats, but for a whole number of reasons, is no longer the preferred argument. Direwolf. Bones are plentiful, California, Labaretaria Brits, overwhelming natural tapcrate. These skeletons show that direwolves, Canius dorius, were about 25 heavier than modern grey wolves, Canius lupus. Weighing between 130 and 150 pounds, 59 to 68 kg. Direwolf had shorter limbs than C. Lepidus, suggesting he wouldn't have won any races against his younger relative. Some researchers wondered about direwolves are generally different from modern wolves. American cheetah stood a little taller than modern cheetah, with a height, shoulder height of 2.75 or 0.75 meters. A weight of what's five hundred fifty-six pounds, seventy kg. How the American cheetah probably wasn't fast. Its slightly short legs have made it a better climber than a runner. Researchers named it Americanicals. M I R A C I N O N Y X I I I N E X P I P E C 
A-T-A-T-U-S, Maya, means wonderful in Latin, and Amoxicin and Oxius come from Greek words of no movement, based on the false perception that cheetahs don't have rectangular claws, a claw we expect the zoo. The local zoo said, Icopus, Latin for expected, giving the big cat a name that translates roughly as wonderful, unexpected cheetah with innumerable claws. It dated, found in Monday, Texas, to the Palestinian between two, 3.2 million and 2.5 million years ago. And the last, uh, last one I could talk about is the ground slope. When President Thomas Jefferson learned about its strange claw fossil found in Iowa, he asked his brothers, Melworth, Lewis, and William Clark, to search for the giant lions. During the western tract of Pacific claw, however, did belong to lion. It was that of a M E G A L O G Y X, an extinct ground sloth. They travelled to North America by South America. In fact, slow ground sloth fossils indicate that mammals began living in America about 35 million years ago. Researchers uncovered a 4.1 million year old M A G A L O Y X fossil, Mexico. The latest specimens are found in more new present-day Americas. So that's uh, the end of this one. I hope you've enjoyed the Ghostman Show on AlbionRadio.com. As always, the time goes fast. Half an hour seems a long time. It isn't really, is it, folks? As they said... As they often say in most things, what I particularly like saying is goodbye and thank you for the fish. Ta-ta, ta-ta, everybody, ta-ta, bye-bye.